0: The scripture reading for today's message comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, "'This is a deserted place, and the hour is very late. "'Send them away so that they may may They may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God. us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time of worship. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us interpret your word. We pray that I get out of your way so that your people can hear a word from you. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. From. From time to time, we all have a tendency to focus on what we don't have and what we cannot do. But the same God that spoke everything into being, that created you and created me and gives us life, he knows what we don't have. What God is interested in is what we do with what we do have. We've ca- we're called to be stewards of all that God has given us and all that God has entrusted to us. We've all heard about the prosperity gospel. Y'all heard about that? Joel Osteen and that bunch? Some of you? Well, we don't, We don't. most Methodists, we don't buy into that unless I wake up and I see a BMW and a new Chevrolet pickup and I have a check in my mailbox. I, I'm not going to believe it until then. I might believe it after that. But, but up to this point, I don't believe it. But anyway, anyway, we realize that the prosperity gospel gives a dangerous mindset. It's sort of like trying to ma- manipulate God the way the Israelites did when they sent the Ark of the Covenant out with the Philistines. They said, hey, now, now we'll defeat the, them in battle. Not only did Israel get the snot kicked out of them, they captured the ark and took it back to their king, or to their god, Dagon. Y'all remember that story? Well, I believe there's even a more dangerous mindset that can afflict us in the church today. And that mindset is one of poverty. That mindset. If I ask you this morning to take a few minutes to list out all the things you don't have enough of, i'm sure that all of us could come up with a decent list of things the list might contain things like time money love our health energy whatever that it might be in your life if i become more specific and ask you to list out the things that you don't have enough of because you're not doing enough ministry the list might get even shorter it might contain items like talent or skills, or knowledge, or courage, or time, or freedom, or faith, or whatever. The fact is, all of us worry about what we don't have. When we're asked to do something, the first thing that comes to our mind is is what it is that we don't have that, that might prevent us from doing the task. I had the opportunity the last... Couple of days to visit with somebody that I love as much as I do myself, and and to to visit about the scriptures and and God's teaching. Either either Jesus is who He says He is, or the greatest blasphemer of all times. Either. Either the Word of God is God's Word, or it isn't. We can't pick and choose. Three years ago on the floor of annual conference, we were sending a group of our youth to the Philippines, and they were wanting to take the paragraph out of the Book of Discipline on human sexuality. They gave me one minute on the floor. And what I said to the annual conference was this. Let me pick and choose the scriptures that offend me. Let me tear those pages of the Bible out that challenge me to become who God has created me to be. And my Bible that's this thick would be that thick. Would be that thick. I'd be a heck of a guy. Y'all know what I'm saying? Heck of a guy. But we cannot pick and choose when it comes to Scripture. Either it is or it's not. And that's what my friend and I, as we were discussing, I believe it is. I I believe the authority of Scripture, United Methods, the very first thing that we say is the authority of Scripture. If not, then what are we doing? What, What do we do? So, when you hear Scriptures like two fish and in five loaves. Do you really believe that? Or was it just something that someone made up somewhere down the road for us to get all crossways about later on? First Kings seventeen, eight through twelve. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow. Sidon, you do know, is Gentile. A Gentile widow to take care of a prophet? Lord, you've got to be kidding. How could it get any worse than that? And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, oh yeah, oh yeah, by the way, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord, your God. She didn't say our God. She didn't say my God. The Lord, your God. Remember, she's Gentile. So she said, as the Lord, your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a, in a glass and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go in and prepare for myself, myself and my son that we may eat it and die she was preparing for them to die they were starving to death what a sad situation not only to die but to see your child starve to death the widow knew what she didn't have she was clear of that she was clear of what she didn't have and the very little that that she was that she had, she was going to prepare a meal out of it and then die. She had little and the famine was not helping. She knew she didn't have enough to spare for this prophet. But let's see what happened after that. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I have said. Make a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. The container of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Some story, huh? But she obeyed what Elijah said she went and did that and she and Elijah and her household they ate for many days this container of flour it was not used up nor did the jar of oil run dry God did a marvelous thing here he replenished what replenished whatever she had her poverty Turned to plenty because she was willing to offer what little she had. What little she had to the Lord. Think about that this morning. But but the blessings didn't stop there. We see that the Lord raised her son from the dead. That, and that's a miracle that made her testify. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. What, as a church today, what do we learn from this? The widow was first worried about how little she had. How she didn't have enough for herself, let alone sharing what she had with the prophet. But when the widow willingly offers that little bit up to the Lord, we see this small, this little, small offering of the widow being rewarded multiple times. When the focus changed from what she didn't have to what she could do with what she did have, it resulted in a great revelation and, of course, a great miracle. A similar situation repeats in the life of Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha, who took over for Elijah. A certain woman the wife of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. He loved the Lord. And a creditor is coming to take my two sons away to make them slaves. So Elisha said, What shall shall I do for you? What shall I do for you? Tell me what You have in the house, and she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. A jar of oil. The pattern is the same as in the the text with Elijah. The prophet asks, what do you have? The woman starts her answer, I have nothing in the house. The focus is always on what we do not have. We know that in this case also, after the woman realized what could be done with what she has, the situation turns around. That's the way it works every single time. Second Kings 4, 3-6, through six, then he said, Go and borrow vessels, barrels, barrels, from everyone, from your neighbors. Empty vessels, make sure they're empty. Make sure they're empty. Do not gather just a few. Don't gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, you and your sons, then pour it into the vessel and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she began to pour out the oil. Now it came to pass, the scripture says, when the vessels were full, That she said to her son, bring me another vessel. She's still still pouring oil. Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Here too, the learning is the same that we saw from the prophet Elijah. The widow's initial focus was on what she did not have. But when the focus is turned to what she can do with what she does have, God blessed the little, and it became plenty. You'll notice that it's not that the oil ran out. The oil didn't run out. The oil stopped because they ran out of vessels. They didn't have another vessel to bring. That's when the oil ceased. Actually, we see this repeated over and over and over again in the life of the Israelites. They were constantly focused on what they did not have. They didn't have enough of. They constantly ignored how much God had provided for them. Recalling the story about them grumbling in, in Numbers eleven. They were bored to death with eating that stinking manna. And, and they wanted man they wanted meat to eat. Their focus was not on what they were getting. Their focus was on what they were missing out of. We see that in Numbers 11, 4 through 6. Hearing that Moses, Moses even joined in on, on the complaining. Now this is the guy that talked face to face with God. That Moses. Numbers 11, 11 through 15. Moses had two complaints. First, the Lord had placed a huge burden on him and he didn't have enough help. That was the first thing. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant, and why why have I not found favor in your sight? You've laid the burden of all these people on me. The second complaint of Moses was that he didn't have enough food to give to these people. Where am I going to get meat to feed all these people, he said. For they weep over me, this weeping. It it meant complaining or aggravating or, or constantly bringing it up. Where am I going to get meat enough to feed all these people? Moses was focusing on what he didn't have enough of. He didn't have enough help and he didn't have enough food. It's interesting to see what God does here. The Lord once again asked Moses, to turn his focus on what he does have, He asked him to pick 70 elders to help him. Evidently, Moses hadn't heard of the any steps model of ministry, is what it was. And after that, the Lord told Moses that he was going to provide meat for the Israelites. It's interesting to see that Moses didn't entirely buy into that. Not the second offer. First offer he did, he got 70 folks happy. But on this food thing, that was a bit much for Moses. For Moses asked again in Numbers eleven twenty-one, 21. And Moses said, The people whom I'm among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for an entire month. Think about that 600,000 men, plus their wives, plus their kids eating three squares a day for a month. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of food. You see, it's difficult for us to turn our attention from what we do not have. And we all know how this story ended up. The Israelites got what they wanted. They really did. But they had to deal with God's wrath after that. As for Moses, his initial focus was on what he didn't have enough of. But when the Lord turned his focus away and asked him to focus on what he has, then many of the elders, the scripture says, are enabled and filled with the same spirit as was Moses. We go to the New Testament and we look at our scriptures for today. Jesus faced this, I don't have enough syndrome. He did he faced that many times when the day was now far spent his disciples came to him and said this is a deserted place and already the hour is late they had the answer for Jesus they knew what to tell him to do send them away get rid of them send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy for themselves bread they have nothing to eat but he answered them and said you give them something to eat as the church today what are we feeding those that don't know the right hand from their left what are we feeding as we go from this place of worship out into the world to serve what are we feeding the world the grace and the goodness of God You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Go and see what we have. That's what Jesus is saying. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to set down in groups of 50 and 100. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, let me tell you what Jesus did something that, that I hope that all Christian people do everywhere. I hope before we ever eat a meal that we pause and give thanks to God for it. Jesus was given the one who's worthy. All the praise and all the honor. What did he ask God to do? Bless it. Bless it. And with God's blessing, there's always enough. His disciples said before him, the two fish he divided among them, all were filled. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments and the fish. That's a God thing. Either the scriptures are true or they're not. Remember us talking about that early on? You see a pattern very clearly. The disciples saw the problem. They didn't have enough food to feed the number of people that were there. And when Jesus call, called them out, "You go give them something," their response was the same as that of Moses and the widows with Elijah and Elisha. They didn't have enough. Their response was, "We don't have enough money to buy food for such a large number large number of people. What well, were we going to get? Two hundred denarii or twenty denarii? Or what it was." That is when Jesus asked them to focus on what they have. How many loaves do you have? Jesus was asking them to focus not on what they didn't have, but to focus on what they did have. And we know the result. Everybody was fed, and there was a surplus left over. Jesus not only had to deal with the I don't have enough syndrome from others, He was also told that he didn't have enough. Remember the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well? Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where do you get this living water? She was saying, You don't have a bucket. You don't have any, you don't have anything. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and, and drank from him himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks of the water of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. Will never thirst. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. When Jesus told the Samaritan woman what he could offer her, her first reaction is to point out what Jesus does not have. And that was what? A bucket about Jesus didn't have anything to draw water with so let's look at this all of us all of us have a tendency to focus on what we don't have enough of we hold back ourselves because we think that we don't have enough time that we don't have enough money or skills or talents or popularity or energy The list can go on and on. It'll be different for all of us. This can apply for us doing things for the Lord also. We sometimes hold ourselves back from ministry because we think that this ministry is too big. We think we don't have enough to participate in the ministry. But what what does Jesus say that ministry is? He says this in Mark 9, 41. For whoever gives a cup of water, think about that, a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And that's for a cup of water. No ministry is too small whether it be from the Stephen ministry all the way to ushers and greeters. No ministry is too small for us to go, David, down to Spring Park and the difference that's making for a few people. Nothing is too small. Jesus is not asking us to move mountains, although he says that we can if we have faith. Y'all read that, haven't you? Any small act that we can do with what we have will be rewarded according to Jesus. And I don't know about y'all, but that's what I'm staking my life on, that he's right. So that is the message for us today. The fact is God knows what we don't already have because everything that we have has been given to us by him. Everything that we have is a gift from God. God knows very well what we don't have. This morning, God is asking us to stop worrying about what we don't have enough of and focus on what we can do with what we have already. That's something for the church to think about, for us to ponder, for us to look at scriptures, for us to think about what is truth, what is it that the Lord has called us to do? I'm convinced that this church has every, everything needed to accomplish what God wants us to do right here, right now. Thanks be to God. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is Have Thine Own Way. I believe it's one thirty in your hymnal. Anything at all that you have on your heart you'd like to pray about, uh, David or I, either one would be more than happy to pray with you. Let us stand and sing.